Welcome to the Crosswalk Church Podcast, Phoenix, Arizona. All right, let's open up our Bibles, because we're going to talk a little bit more, really, about that same subject on the basis of uh, our new series, Third Weekend Prophecy. And uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about this series. You remember two weeks ago, we talked about the meaning of prophecy. And uh, in, in fact, I think... To, to be truthful, I might have talked a little bit too much about XM Radio and my smartphone. Maybe some of you don't remember what that message was about, because all you can remember is smartphone. He's got a really smartphone, Pastor Jeff does. But what the message was really about was that um, prophecy has meaning, that, that prophecy is here for a purpose. This, this book is here to tell us what's coming up so that we know what to expect in our lives. And it's also here so that we can see inside of God's heart. Prophecy is God revealing his heart and mind. And wow, how important it is for us to know that because God wants us to know what to expect. God wants us to know the love that's in his heart toward us. God wants us to know that he is coming back again and that this world will end and a new heavens and a new earth will begin. So that was the first message. And, uh, and last week, we talked about the timing of prophecy, kind of a difficult issue, isn't it? That, man, we, we just don't always know uh, when God is going to fulfill the, the prophecies that he's made. That was, a, that was an issue in the Old Testament. Uh, John here in the book of Revelation says, these things are happening soon. But what does that soon mean? And, and what we said is, when we're, when we're feeling uncertainty about the, uh, about the timing of fulfillment, here's what we do. We step back, Right? onto what is sure and certain. And that's our triune God. And that when he makes a promise, he's eternal. He was there. He will be there. We can rest assured that promise is going to happen. Jesus is the faithful witness. And whatever he says, whatever he promises in, the, in this book, it's going to be fulfilled. So today we want to talk about the sights and the sounds of prophecy, the elements that we often find in prophecy throughout the Bible. We're going to use Revelation as a, as a sample or as an example of that this morning. But did you ever ask yourself, why is it in so much of prophecy, why is it in so much of, of apocalyptic literature like we find in the book of Revelation or Daniel or Ezekiel in the Bible, why are these fantastic sights and sounds there? Like weird stuff that you're like, what, what is that? me. Well, I, I, I really think the answer to that question is not horribly difficult to discern, because when is it that we intentionally put up a lot of sight and sound, right? I know in my house, for example, if the smart smoke alarm goes off, you ever, ever had that happen in your house? And all of a sudden, there is this, this really annoying screeching sound coming out of that alarm and a blinking light just flashing, right? The reason that God puts these amazing sights and sounds into prophecy is very similar to that. Most prophecy, most of the apocalyptic literature that we read... It, it, it was written during a time where God's people were going in one of two directions. They were, they were either getting so prosperous 
that they were getting full of themselves and saying, you know, look at me. I'm such a godly person. God is rewarding me. I'm so smart and I'm so wise. I've, I've applied all these things. And look, now because I've applied all these things, my life is good. You, you heard Jonathan talk a few moments ago about the Pharisees and their attitude. That's one end of the pendulum swing. The other end of the pendulum swing is when people were under persecution and in trouble and going through not times of prosperity, but times of poverty, physically, spiritually. They're practicing idolatry. They had forgotten about God. And here comes God with prophecy, and he says, blink, 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 loud siren, fantastic vision, sights and sounds to say, Wake up. Here's the section that I'm going to be reading to you this morning in just a moment from, from chapter 1 of the book of Revelation is the introduction into seven letters written to seven real congregations in the province of Asia Minor. You've heard me say this many times before, if you've been here. You've heard me say that Asia Minor is modern-day Turkey. Real place, historical place. All the towns mentioned in here, historical towns, real towns, these are seven real letters written to real churches. And John the Apostle is being given a vision from Jesus Christ to say, guys, some of you are prosperous. You're prospering, but you're becoming Pharisees. You're starting to think it's all about me. Look at me, look at me, look at me. And some of you are going through tough times right now. You're being persecuted for the sake of Christ, like I, John, am right now. Easy for me to get my head down because I'm on a prison island for the sake of preaching the gospel. But here's what Jesus says to us, whether we're, whether we're in prosperity or whether we're in poverty right now. Don't get lost. Don't fall asleep. Don't let this time of prosperity or poverty distract you from the one who is the one most important person in your life. So with that introduction, I want you to see the sights and sounds of Revelation chapter 1, beginning at verse 9. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches. Remember, these are real churches now. To Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a, a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. 
Then he placed his right hand on me and he said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now and what will take place later, the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. When I was a a young boy, I had a friend named Mark, and uh, his dad loved to take his sons on drives around Arizona. I grew up here in Phoenix, and and, uh, once in a while I'd get to go along with Mark and his older brother and his dad on some of these excursions around Arizona. I still remember the time when we drove the long way through Wickenburg, up Yarnell Hill, through Prescott, over Mingus Mountain, and my very first visit to a little town set on a hill. You know what I'm talking about, right? Jerome. Anybody here been to Jerome? Raise your hand if you've ever been to Jerome. Kind of a, an amazing little place, isn't it? Jerome started as a mining town like many ghost towns. And it was a boom town in its day. And it could be, because it was set up on a hill, it could be seen from miles away. But more importantly, the report of the wealth that was in those mines the, the sort of shining light of that report went out across the country, and overnight, miners flooded into that town. Some amazing stories from that era. It was once called the West's most wickedest town. And uh, you can kind of get the flavor of that a little bit. There's, there's one story that one time the jail got so full that they actually took these guys who had been arrested for public drunkenness and, and chained them to a, 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 a mill wheel so that they couldn't get away. There was no more room in this bunker-like jail. Well, these guys were so clever and so innovative, and they were not yet drunk enough that they couldn't team up. So literally, these 12 guys all lifted the mill wheel at once and went back to the saloon. And then and then prevailed upon the the bartender to give them an axe so that they could widen the door to get into into the bar so they could drink some more. Not exactly, I think, the idea that Jesus had when he said a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. But then in the 50s, the demand for a copper... (laughs) slid down and down and down. And where once had lived 15,000 people, 50 were left. And that's when they began to capitalize on the idea of Jerome being a ghost town, just so they could somehow survive as a town. When the wealth played out, the town plummeted. You think it would ever be possible for Crosswalk to become a ghost church? I think it's an important question for us to ask. Because spiritually right now, and you just heard me say it in, in talking about the love one another offering, 
I gotta tell you, right now, spiritually, God has blessed us. I really feel that we are, we're enjoying a period of Jesus' favor. Every week when we look at the, at the, at the crosswalk report, we, we see that we're, we're up 5%, 10%, 15%, sometimes 20% and more in our attendance over a year ago at this time. You see the generosity of the spirit of our people that I just talked about in the love one another offering. And I have to say, it's like the minds are open here spiritually. And we're enjoying this time of of unanticipated prosperity. I think it's important right now for us to ask, could, could we one day somehow become a Jerome? And I... I think it's an important question for us to ask because these seven churches in the book of Revelation, that's what was happening to them. They were the equivalent of Jerome in the 1950s. You see, John's writing this in 95 AD. And Jesus is saying, we need to send this vision, this revelation out to these people because things are going a little bit downhill. Next week, we'll look at one of the letters. But even this week, if you've got your Bible, I'd encourage you to open up and just peek into some of the things that you read here. Verse 5 of chapter 2, remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Later on, he says to another church, you guys need to wake up. And to still another church, he says, you guys are lukewarm. You're not running hot. You're not running cold anymore. But let me tell you what God does with lukewarm churches and lukewarm people. He spits them out of his mouth. So important for us to hear those words of warning. And so important for us to hear these sounds and these sights of warning because literally this is God's fire alarm going off saying, guys, wake up and smell the smoke before it turns into a raging fire that you can't pull back from. So let's take a look at exactly what we see going on here. Verse 9, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Tatmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. What he means is he was in a, in a state where God was going to give him a vision and where he could see the sights and sounds that God wanted him to see and then pass them on to others. And and that's what God says. I want you to write this stuff down. I was in the Spirit, and notice what he says. I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. Do you see how vivid these sounds are? Which said, write on a scroll what you see. Not only what you hear, but what you see. And send it to the seven churches. And we read through the names of those churches. And then look at this in verse 12. Really important. What does John see next? You see what he sees? I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, he didn't see the voice first. What did he see first? He says, I saw seven golden lampstands. Now, later on at the very end, 
John explains what the lampstands symbolize, what they represent. Go all the way down to verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels, the messengers, the pastors of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. In this vision that Jesus is giving to John, he sees lampstands which represent churches. What does that mean? It means that we have a purpose in this world, a purpose that Jesus wants us to serve, and that is to be a lamp stand. Who is the light of the world? Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And we are to be the stand that holds high the name of Jesus, we are to be such a stand that, in fact, we become lights ourselves in this world. Look at what Jesus says. I put this in your crosswalk notes in Matthew 5, verses 14 and 16. You, he's talking to us, are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, just like Jerome could not be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it it gives light. It gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Here, I want you to fill in some fill-ins based on that passage, based on us being a lampstand. Here's a question that I want to ask us. Does crosswalk really shine? Do we? Are we really shining out and holding Jesus, the light of the world, up and his love and forgiveness and grace? Notice what Jesus says here. People don't put a light under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. What's our house? Levine is our house. South Phoenix is our house. This entire metro area, that's our house. And what Jesus is telling us is our purpose as a church is to, is to put the light of Christ out into our house, out into our community, and out into our city so that people can see Jesus Christ and know him as their Savior and to know his love. Here's a question I think we've got to ask ourselves. If we were to close the doors of this church, would anybody miss us? Would anybody notice, oh, Crosswalk's gone. What happened to Crosswalk? That used to be a great church. Would anybody say that? Or maybe we should ask the question a little bit differently. What about right now? Do people know us as the church that loves one another? That if you join that family, you are going to be embraced. You're going to be hugged, not just physically, but spiritually and emotionally. Because every one of their members, not just the pastor, 
not just the staff, not just the volunteers that put in 10, 15, 20 hours a week free. Every one of the members of that congregation is a person that reflects the love of Christ. And if you go there, or even if you happen to live next door, or work in the cubicle next to one of those members, man, they shine with the love of Jesus, with his grace, with his forgiveness. And they want to tell you about this guy who has redeemed the entire world. Do we shine? Do you shine in your everyday life? Because guess what? You don't go to church. You are the church. Which means you are in church, not just on Sunday morning, but you're in church on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday too. And so Jesus really says, you are a city on a hill, and I want you to shine. And if you would all of a sudden not be there, if you'd turn into a ghost church, people would go, I I wish they were back here. We miss them. They were a church of irresistible influence. You know, you got a little place on here to write notes on the top of page Would you do me a favor? I just want you to write something specific in there. At Crosswalk, we want to be a church of irresistible influence. Would you write that down? I want you to think about that this coming week. Take these notes home for you and say, how could I participate in that? How could I be part of making Crosswalk a church of influence? irresistible influence, because that's what Jesus means when he says, I want you to be a lampstand and to shine. You know, there's going to always be obstacles to that, don't you? Because there are other lights. If I'm interested, or if you are right now, more interested in getting my Christmas lights up than I am in being a light of love to my neighbors, I may be, in, may be in the midst of being distract, distracted by the wrong lights. If my focus is on the bright lights of the malls and the stores and all the fancy little gadgets and gadgets and whatnot that are in those stores, did you read what the Republic said after Black Friday this year? They did a survey of people after Black Friday and said, why are you here at 4 a.m. in the morning? And you know what the answer was? Not that I'm here because I want to get a good deal on a gift that I'm buying for someone else. I'm here because I want to get a good deal on a gift that I'm buying for myself. That's where we live nowadays, guys. And if we're not different, then we're not a light shining in a dark place. We cannot, during this Christmas season, allow ourselves to get distracted by the bright lights of prosperity or even by the darkness of poverty. 
Because Jesus has called us to shine in this community and in this city. Here's what I want you to write down. Jesus wants his church to shine. Now, I said it before. John could have been the first guy to stand up and say, I can't worry about being a light right now. I'm on a prison island. Right? The only guys here that I can shine to are these other criminals. Man, I'm just going to hunker down in my cell. I can't be worried about other people. I'm in too much pain. How could the Roman officials have thought of arresting me just because I was teaching about Jesus? You read into the, into the letters in chapter 2 in Revelation, you can see whether it was prosperity or poverty, that's exactly what was creating this dynamic where some of these churches were becoming ghost towns because they were too concerned about themselves. They were either like, look at me, look at me, we're so prosperous, or they were, man, this persecution stinks. And all they could think about, whether it was prosperity or poverty, was me, me, me. And when the thought is always me, 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 we can't be lights. Because what we're doing is we're, we're taking that light of the love of Jesus and we're bending it back and we're saying, here, let me suck all that light in. We're becoming like spiritual black holes, which instead of emitting light, sucks the light in. And, and, and Jesus says, look, instead of that, remember who you follow. If you say, I'm a Christ follower, who is this Christ that you're following? What's your picture of this Jesus? Do you develop your picture of Jesus, the one you follow from the, from the flannel graph Sunday school things you did 25 years ago? Do you develop your picture maybe out of some movie that you saw? Did you develop your idea of the Jesus that you follow out of some imagination, something that you heard and you've kind of pulled it all together and sort of synthesized it and go, that's my idea of Jesus? Or do you see the Jesus that the Bible paints for you? And in Revelation 1, it's in bright lights, flashing lights, loud sounds. His voice is like a trumpet. And read on. Do you see what it says about this Jesus that you follow? After John in verse 12 says, I, I turned and I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of a man. Here's a Savior, a Jesus, who comes down to be one of us so that he can understand us. True God becoming true man suffering right alongside of us. Dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. Why did he become a man like us? Well, this is, these are priestly garments that he's wearing. The long robe and the golden sash. He did that because he wanted to be the one standing between you and a holy God. The one to whom you can pray and say, Jesus, hear my prayers. I need you. My friend needs you. My dad, my mom, my kids, they need you. And I'm so confident that you hear me because you're the great high priest. You, you take everything that I, that I offer, my prayers, 
and you, and you lift them up to the Father. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. Think about that. That's Jesus. White hair representing his holiness and his wisdom, and eyes like blazing fire looking right into your soul and mine. Remember Jesus talking to Peter after he sinned and deserted him? And he kept asking Peter, Peter, do you love me? Do you remember what Peter finally said? Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Do you follow a Savior that knows all things? Or do you, in your mind, follow a Savior that maybe you can close the door on him and and he won't come in and see what you're doing? He, He won't know what's going on in your mind or your heart. He's compartmentalized over here on Sunday. When I'm on Tuesday, Jesus not there. He ain't seeing me. What's your picture of Jesus, the one you follow? Do his eyes have blazing fire? Does he, does he see also the hurts and the pain that you're going through? Or do you throw up your hands and go, God's not seeing me. He doesn't have blazing eyes. He's not seeing what's going on in my life. And you, you just despair of God. What's your picture of Jesus, the one you follow? His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. What sights and sounds here? The Bible tells us that Jesus will step on his enemies and hold them under his feet. The very first prophecy in the Garden of Eden said that when the Messiah comes, Satan, he will crush your head underneath his bronze feet. And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. You believe that his words are powerful? Like, a, like an amazing waterfall? Any of you have ever been to a, just this amazing waterfall? When I lived in Africa many times, one of, our, one of our favorite places to go was Victoria Falls, one of the largest waterfall in the world. And to, to hear the rushing water as it falls over that. Or maybe you've been to San Diego. You ever been to that place in San Diego? Can't remember the name of it, where it's kind of rocky and the waves just come crashing in over those rocks. And the sound, the roar that that water makes is powerful. And do we think of Jesus' words as powerful like that in our lives? In his right hand, he held seven stars. We learn later on that those are the pastors of the church. Man, I can tell you it's comforting to me to know that as a pastor, Jesus holds me in his hand. And you should know that too. He said to all of his disciples, he said, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And out of his mouth came a a large, double-edged sword. God's word, Hebrews says, cuts right down to the soul, to the dividing of joints and marrow. It's that powerful, that laser-like in its ability to get and discern our thoughts and the intentions of our heart. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. Yes, 
He's a son of man, but he is also, in all his glory, God. And that's why his face shines like only God's face can shine. Who do you follow? Do you follow a Jesus that is just another man? Do you follow a Jesus who's wise? I want you to look at Luke 2, 16 to 20. This is the story of when Jesus fulfilled those major Old Testament prophecies as coming as the the Savior, the Messiah. And I want you to see who these shepherds followed. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph. This is the shepherds. The angels have come and they've said, look, your Savior's born. And the shepherds go to find Mary and Joseph and the baby, Jesus, who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed And what the shepherds said to them, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. See, there's those words again. All the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So here's what Jesus is saying. See me. See my holiness, see my power, see my love and forgiveness and grace. See me as the Bible tells you I am, and you will be awe-inspired. And that's your feeling. Jesus is awe-inspiring. Even the angels who saw the little baby Jesus in the manger and Mary and Joseph, what did they do? They went away glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. Do you know, if our lamp is about to go out, if we're about to become a ghost town, you know what Jesus' answer is? See me. Be inspired and awed at who I really am for you. Jesus is awe-inspiring. And you know, when we, when we trust in him, everything changes, doesn't it? I mean, even the little things change. When I come to church on Sunday, I know when you come to church on Sunday, and, and you get just right there to the Crosswalk Cafe, right? Your first thought isn't, time to tank up. Look at that one that's maple covered. Mm-mm. Boy, I love that Dunkin' Donuts coffee here at Crosswalk. It's so good. Now, you might think that, and that's okay. We want, you to, we want you to get a little food in your tummy so that when you come in here, you can learn. You come in here hungry, you're probably going to switch off. So it's okay that you get a little bit of food, and we love that you do that. But with Jesus in your life, with Jesus in focus, you know what you think beyond that? You think, as I'm eating this donut and drinking this cup of coffee, there's someone here who needs my love. There's someone here who needs me to to shine a little light of Jesus on them. And while I'm munching, I'm going to find that someone. And I'm going to get in a conversation with that someone, and I'm, going to, I'm just going to shine for a little while because Jesus is in me, and he shines in me. 
And if some of you are saying, man, I don't want a sugar attack in the middle of the service, I'm not eating one of those donuts, you can still shine. Even if you're just drinking a glass of water or you're not eating or drinking at all because when your eyes are on Jesus and when your ears are hearing his powerful word, the Crosswalk Cafe, and I'm just using this as a little example, one little tiny example, the Crosswalk Cafe is no longer all about me. The Crosswalk Cafe is, how can I shine? How can I be a lampstand? How can I let others see Jesus, the real Jesus of the Bible, and hear about his love and grace and forgiveness? You see how it changes everything? Last point. Let's go back to those shepherds. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Many of you probably memorized these words, right? You know what comes next, don't you? When they heard those sounds and saw those sights, I want you to underline these words. And they were terrified. They weren't happy, not at first. They were terrified at first. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. These sights and sounds are about the fulfillment of the greatest prophecy ever. A Savior has been born to you. Don't be afraid. What happens to John the Apostle when this vision of Jesus is placed before his eyes? Go back to the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 17. Do you see what it says there? When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Was John's first reaction like, dude, this is awesome? Nope. It was down on my face. I am so scared I cannot tell you. Because he's in the presence of the holy God. The Jesus who is the Savior, but the one who is also righteous down to the crossing of every T and the dotting of every I in God's law. Holy, righteous, and he wants your obedience and mine. John falls on his feet like the angels, like the shepherds fall on their feet in the presence of the angels. But what does Jesus do? He places his right hand on John and says, don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last, the eternal one. I'm the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever. See, this is how we know it's Jesus, because he's the only one that died and rose again. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Don't be afraid, because my mission in the world is to unlock hell. There are so many people in this world that are headed right there, and, and, and we want to make sure people don't get in there. Because once they're in there, they're in there. It's done. And I want you to think about this, even as we're thinking about being a lampstand. When we get to heaven, there's going to be so many amazing sights. This very same book of Revelation describes it in very picturesque terms as, you know, streets of gold. Amazing. 
But do you know there's one thing you're not going to see in heaven? In fact, that you'll never see ever again? An unbeliever. Now is the time for us to shine. Because once this world is over, once your life is over, your time, my time to spread the love of Christ, to be the church of irresistible influence, to be a lampstand and a light to this world, it's going to be done. And those who are going to hell are going to hell. And we'll never see them again. And those who are in heaven by the blood of Christ will be in heaven with us. We need to be like these shepherds who go out sharing the good news of great joy. We need to be like John, for whom Jesus says, write this down and get this out to those churches. We need to be helping people. Now let me tell you something practical on this before I close. At Crosswalk, we have three buckets. Everything we do in ministry at this church is in one of those three buckets. It's either Sunday morning worship, that's the first bucket. Growth groups, that's the second bucket. Or ministry teams, that's the third bucket. If you're asking me today, okay, Pastor Jeff, get practical. You want me to shine in this church so that the whole church can, can shine together and be a church of irresistible influence. What are you really telling me to do? What's my next step? Here it is. As much as you possibly can, operate a little bit in all three buckets. Be here on Sunday. And be ready not only to take in, but also to give back and to shine on a Sunday morning. Be in a growth group so that you can be fed and grow stronger, but also so that you can feed the dozen or so other people that are in that group and help them get along in their faith and take their next steps. Join a ministry team. Because if we're not serving, I'll tell you, we are swerving. That's, that's just the reality. And in order to be able to keep going in a straight line and not swerve and get off the path, we need to be serving. That's how Jesus has designed us to be able to give back and be a light and be not only a church of irresistible influence, but be a Christ follower, yourself individually, of irresistible influence. That's going to take faith, not fear. And that's why... In Isaiah 7, 9, we read, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. And yet in 2 Chronicles, we read just the opposite. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. Keep your eyes on Jesus. See that sight. Keep your ears trained on Jesus. Hear his voice and hear that sound. Because when we have faith in Jesus, even if we're beginning to look a little bit like we're headed toward being a Jerome, even if we're beginning to look like we're one of these seven churches in Asia Minor, faith in Jesus puts the shine back on. 
And if we are not to lose our shine, then we have to stand strong. Notice what it says there. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. Here's what Daniel says, and I love it. After faith in Jesus puts the shine back on, here's what he says about you. Those who are wise, and that's you, you're wise because you're listening to Jesus, you're hearing his sound, you're watching Jesus, you see him clearly from the Bible. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. We were made to shine. We were made to be that church of irresistible influence. And I'm telling you, as long as we see Jesus clearly, we will never become a ghost church. Here's some next steps for you to consider. Evaluate what can I personally do to make Crosswalk's lamp shine brighter in our community. Can you, as you do that, think about those three buckets? Are you in all three of those buckets? At least a little bit? You might have to take a break from one or the other once in a while, but think about all three buckets. And then secondly, another great way to to help us be a church of irresistible influence and to be a lampstand is give a gift, even a small one, to the loved one another offering. You heard what good we're doing together. And then finally, meditate on and memorize Matthew 5, 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you have brought us here into this church called Crosswalk Church. And that you, are, you, you have shown us your favor over these past six years. You've given us growth and allowed us to influence more and more people in this community and in this city and even around the world. Lord, you've literally turned us into a world-class church overnight. But Lord, we know how easy it is to slip off our lampstand. We know how easy it is to get too full of ourselves, to think me, me, me all the time. Lord, take that attitude out of this church, out of every heart and mind. And help us to understand better how we can be lights in this dark world to be a church of irresistible influence. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Crosswalk Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at crosswalkphoenix.com.